0: one thing that we get to do that no other creature on the planet can do is that we get to add value by creating things and i went
1: from 40 million dollars in revenue to watching everything that i had built for god get sold
0: Good morning.
1: Has it been a long night?
0: you've got to make sure that your identity is solidly rooted in who you are in christ and not in having money
1: I sold my company and I really had a hard time getting out of bed.
0: Maybe been a long year, maybe been a hard life, maybe
1: you're not all
0: right. Faith-driven entrepreneurs to do what they want to do have to understand what God has given them. There's winners and learners, not winners and losers.
1: I feel like I was chosen to be on this show for a reason and I had to do something
2: Like, we're addicted to comfort. And he's called me into really difficult positions. That's what he's told me to walk into. People like you, people
0: like me, this is where we all find grace. Come now.
2: Entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. This podcast and the whole ministry seeks to equip you, the faith driven entrepreneur, to seize the unique opportunities that God has placed in front of you and overcome the challenges that life will throw your way. These are the stories of how he takes broken things and makes them new. Come for the podcast, stay for the community. Welcome to Faith Driven Entrepreneur.
0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur podcast. Thanks for finding us once again this week. During a stellar 23-year career playing Major League Baseball, Tory Hunter was named to five All-Star teams, won nine consecutive Gold Glove Awards as a center fielder, and hit his way to two Silver Slugger Awards. What many people may not know is that equal to his achievements on the field, Tori is just as proud of his growing portfolio of investments. And yet, business is much like baseball. Tori has failed more than he has succeeded. His strikeouts have taught him there are no losers in life, just winners and learners. That conversation is up next on the faith-driven entrepreneur podcast welcome back to the faith-driven entrepreneur uh we have an amazing day today actually for me personally this is one of my favorite days because unbeknownst to our guest our guest anchored my fantasy team for the better part of 2002 to 2010 because he was one of the few people in baseball that you could count on you weren't gonna get a blank he was going to pull something off. He was going to get a walk in a stolen base. You know, it might be over for 5, but there were still stats. And if you don't play fantasy baseball, they matter. And those daily matchups where you get blanks across the board, that's how you lose. And our guest today, Tori Hunter, just made sure I didn't lose. And that was big to me. Uh, And then he was gracious to me a second time. And if you've watched our conference last year, Tori was just blessed us greatly by having us in uh, to his maker's gym, which we're going to get into in a little bit and talk about, you know, faith-driven entrepreneurship and how he's trying to impact entrepreneurs in his area and so many different places. And so from baseball to entrepreneurship, Tori Hunter, we are glad to have you here today.
0: Oh man. Thanks for having me, man. I, I hope I didn't destroy your fantasy team. You know, I tried to help my team win too, it's just, you know, I'm glad you was able to ride the coattail.
1: <laughs> that's what I did. Hey, that, that's, a, that's the theme
0: of my life. I do it well. <laughs> that's cool, man. We, You know what? Just going out there and playing every day, man. Everybody would come to me before the games. Hey, help my fantasy team win. I'm really trying to help this team win right now. That's, so we'll see what happens. If I help this team win, then I can help you as well. So yeah, that, I have to focus on that one thing at a time.
1: That had to be better for your contract because my fantasy league did not pay well. Um, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, you uh,
0: guys didn't pay that well. Now I think no. they're paying, paying pretty good, right? No, they're
1: not? No, no. My team uh, still doesn't pay well. And I know Henry Kaysner is just dying to jump in because we do not have a bigger baseball fan on our podcast host setup than Henry Kaysner. Hey, well, Henry, what's up?
2: Tori, it's great to see you again. Thank you very much for being willing to share with our audience. And what William is alluding to is the fact that, yes, I'm a huge baseball card collector. And really? there's a point in time in my life that I knew every single baseball player that was playing. And it's been a while. You know, we moved to North Carolina, and it didn't have a professional team. But I grew up in Baltimore and was a huge Baltimore Orioles fan Then moved to New York. And I probably could tell you the name of every player that played in 1977, 1978. I'm dating myself a bit, but I still have all of their baseball cards. And it's like a history lesson or just it's, well, it's like time travel. Just holding a 1977 Tops brings me back. Tori, did you collect baseball cards?
0: Uh, No, I didn't. Not until I got into baseball. I really got into professional baseball. I didn't when I was younger. My uncle had some cards and, you know, I would see guys like Bobby Bow and Terry Pendleton and different things yeah. like that on on Terry baseball Pendleton. cards that he collected. Yeah. And, and and I really didn't collect them until I got into pro ball, starting to, to know uh, Harmon Killebrew and you wow. know, Paul Molitor's and different things like that. Tony Oliva, Rod yeah. And And uh, once I got to know those guys, man, I really started collecting and getting their autographs, autographed bats and different things like that. And I try to keep them in my little game room right here. And so it's pretty cool, man, just to get to see the history behind everything. But just to talk about Baltimore a little bit. Yeah. yeah Cal please. Ripken. Yes. My first major league hit was in Baltimore, Camden Yards and, wow. uh 1998. And I was on first base after I got the hit to right field off of Arthur Rhodes. And they threw the ball in because it was my first hit and Cal Ripken got it. And he said, congratulations, threw it in. And then several years later, I'm in center field in the Metrodome. And Cal Ripken gets his 3,000 hit up the middle and hit the center field, and I got the ball, and I looked at it, and I said, congratulations, I put it in my pocket. He was like, no, 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 bring it back, you know? And uh, (laughs) so it was just a, yeah, it was just a great moment. I got my first Major League hit, and three or four years later, here's Cal Ripken getting his 3,000 hit to me. So it was... For me, it's sentimental, you know, and, and it's yeah. something I can always tell my grandkids and tell other kids, you know, whenever I'm talking to other kids, other groups, and I tell them what that story and they go, wow, okay, who's Kyle Ripping though?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Don't say that.
0: Uh, nobody's kids, out there the saying he's Corey Hunter,
2: at least not man, for yeah, a couple yeah, more kids. decades.
0: No, they're doing that. They just Google search. They say, like, oh, he was okay. You know, well, Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I was okay. <laughs>
2: Well, the difference between me and you, Tori, and baseball card collecting is there's no baseball card here that I could put my autograph on and like earn like $100 in a nanosecond. That's Uh, the difference uh, between the way that you and I can collect. But there may even be somebody out there that is not a baseball fan. And there's so much to get from this episode. And Tori and his faith, and yes, being a just an incredible athlete with grit and perseverance, 2300 games. Is that right? That's up there. That's Ripken S. Talking about Cal Ripken.
0: I don't know how many games i played, <laughs> a lot. Um, but it was a lot. It was a lot. And I uh, played 23 seasons years. Too. Yep. 23 that's pro a lot. seasons. A lot of, man, that's a whole lot of at-bats, a lot of running. I still feel like, you know, I got a four-pack, not a six-pack now, but I got a four-pack for the wifey. But, you know, just putting those mouths on your legs, man, you feel like, you know, when you retire, it's going to get worse. I actually feel like I'm better because I'm not running anymore. My body's healing. Mm-hmm. I'm still working out. Yeah. My legs feel great. You know, while I was playing and I was in my mid-30s, I could feel it walking up the stairs, my butt cheek would lock up, <laughs> different <and everything laughs> like things like that. Cause things that have you're, never you're, been you're, said you
2: know, before in a faith-driven entrepreneur podcast, right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just a butt muscle, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Of course it
0: and, is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, as I like now that I'm forty something, mid-40s.
2: 24. Why stop? Dude, you're feeling yeah, better yeah. and you're looking great.
0: I feel great. I feel great. I'm playing golf. I'm doing them very active uh, after playing all those years, man. And you know, I've seen some guys have hip surgeries. I've seen the knee surgeries, but I've been very blessed to keep myself in shape and go get the massage and do all the little things I can to try to maintain this tempo. I have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So baseball player with grit. and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that in a second because I think that they're great lessons when you've had such perseverance over so many at-bats. The lessons there for a faith-driven entrepreneur, well, we can unpack that. And then, of course, the other thing, if you've been a faith-driven investor as well. We talked about that just a little bit in the conference. We're going to talk more about that here in a second. But let's go back. And then also, I want to, if we've got time, I'd love to talk about mentorship. Marcus Stroud, one of my favorite people. TXV Ventures counts you as being such an incredible influence in his life, and now he's off being one of the great faith-driven investors out there in this new generation, and just super excited to to get to know him, be a part of his fun, and then know the influence you've had in his life. But let's go back to what I was just alluding to there a second ago. You've shown over a long career, and that's 2,300, but you've been playing baseball for a long time before that, too. As an entrepreneur now with Maker's Gym, with the barbecue company, with the other real estate investments that you're doing, what are the lessons that you think apply in perseverance from a long career and what doesn't?
0: Man, you know, um, for me, I think baseball is life. Life is baseball, you know, and, you know, all the lessons I've learned in baseball, Uh, As far as failures and striking out and you have setbacks and and you got to have a setback and you have to prepare for a comeback. Because if you don't prepare for the comeback, then you're going to always have setbacks. And then then you're going home, right? So just all the adjustments you have to make, you know, you got one enemy out there. He has two nostrils just like you. He's human, but he's trying to get you out, you know, and I'm trying to hit him out. Uh, He's trying to find my weaknesses. I'm trying to find his weaknesses. But if we don't focus on our weaknesses, look for your weaknesses and go after that. So it's a lot of things. And you got the umpire and you got the catcher you have to fight. I think life brings you those same apples. You got the adversary out there. We don't see him, but he's there, right? And then you got life. And then you got your own worst enemy, which is you. Your enemy is your enemy. So you're fighting a lot of different things in the world, in life, and you're fighting a lot of different things in baseball as well. And so when you're out there competing, you know, sometimes you're going to fail. You know, and you have to make sure uh, in baseball, you go sit on that bench for two innings, figure out what that enemy tried to do to you. And you make that adjustment just like that. You don't wait till the next day. You don't wait till the next week. You actually make that adjustment uh, before your next at bat. You can sit and ponder, make adjustments, figure out what he's doing. And that's what we have to do. So same thing happens in entrepreneurship. Same thing happens in marriage. Same thing happens in friendships. Yeah. You have to make those adjustments. You don't let people hurt you the same way they hurt you before. You make adjustments, but you can keep that relationship and stay in the game. And you just, you manage them different. So if I had someone, a kid, one of my son's teammates, no one knows him, but he actually took a game from his room, right? And I could have said, you know what? I'm not going to deal with him anymore. Don't come over here. We'll never, never see you again. But instead, I don't allow him to come over here. I meet him for at a coffee shop and mentor him that way. And he's actually he's gotten better. But it's not because of me. It's just he seeks it out. But I took him out of an environment where he might take one of the video games again and put him in an environment where, you know, Got there's it. no temptation and he can listen to me. So I started learning these different things, just like in baseball. It's the same way, you know, you have some guys on the team that, don't perform or or they stay out late and they come in into the clubhouse late and you try to, you know, instead of scalding them and you a venture guy, what the hell are you doing? da da I guys will go off like that. So I would put them to the side, like, hey, and talk to them about life. You have two kids, you have a wife, you know, different things like that and give them perspective. And they look at it and they go, I never thought about that. You know, you have to come, you represent more than just the game of baseball. You represent more than just the Minnesota Twins. You represent that last name on your back. You represent your community, you represent your kids and you give them something to look at as perspective of a wider lens opposed to just, you know, scalding them, going off and never giving them a why. And uh, because if they showed up late and they stayed out late, and they come try to play a game and not perform. And it's the reason why they don't know. So we have to give them some words of encouragement and, and some wisdom. Oh, I love that,
1: Tori. I love that. And, you know, I want to ask you a question. This one's been on my mind for a long time, and I've never gotten to ask it to professional baseball player. I think there's so much, so entrepreneurship, right? A lot of our entrepreneurs listening, a lot of their businesses aren't going to work. I mean, that is just facts and data, right? I mean, we, we don't have to think too hard about it. If you start a business, the data says- the odds are against you, right? right? And in baseball, I'm curious to the mindset because it's the, to be a multi-time all-star, you succeed three out of 10 times at the plate. And you right. know that walking up, you know that when you're six years old, when you're 10 years old, and then when you're in the professionals, batting 280 to 300 makes you an all-star. And so every time you go up there, you know that there is a 70% chance in that moment, you won't succeed what you're walking up to the plate to do. And I'm curious, what is that mindset? How do you, how do you think through that? Because I feel like our entrepreneurs and, and from a faith angle too, you know, have to go out on this journey and say, I know the odds are stacked against me when I start, but I'm still going to pursue it with everything I got. And I'm going to take each moment like I'm going to succeed, even though the odds are against me. I'm curious how you thought through that through
2: your career. While you're at it, while you're on a riff how that impacts your life. Cause you've had a, quite a career as an entrepreneur. You've gotten up to the plate a bunch Still of times. Learning. And so not just as a baseball player, but you know, talk about some of the times you've gotten up to the plate as an entrepreneur. I know some of those stories. Let's let the audience in too. So translate that from baseball, that mindset, but then also some of the adversity you've faced at plate as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. Just, just as a baseball player, you know, I always say baseball is life. Life is baseball. As a baseball player, you you go through the minor league system, you know, you're making 700, this is off the field right now, you're making $700 a month. In some instances, you're the only one that really speaks English. And I had five roommates and they're from another country. And you're like, wow, I thought I would be with some other Americans when I left at 17 years old, coming from Palm Bluff, Arkansas, you didn't know what to expect. And when I got there, you know, my roommates, they're from Venezuela or Dominica, and they never, they didn't speak English. So I had to learn how to communicate with them. I had took two years of Spanish and they told me my Spanish was corporate. (laughs) So they didn't didn't really speak that way. So it's more like a, a slang when they speak. And so I had to learn the slang and I had to learn their dialect and different things like that. And then I helped them with English and I would order their food and different things like that at the restaurants. So just having that whole dynamic, 17 years old, you're going, you thinking that you you made it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of stars. Nope, that's not going to happen. You got to pay bills. You're 17, learn how to write checks. You're 17, you got to go to the grocery store to pay the water bill. Remember, you had to do that. We had to walk to the grocery store pay the water bill and different things like that. But then you get on the field. You know, me coming from high school, I hit 500. So I failed five times, you know, but I never failed seven out of 10 times. I never failed eight out of 10 times because that's what happens while you're on your journey in the minor leagues. You're failing, you know, eight out of 10 times and you work your way to seven out of 10. That's when you become great, right? So just for me, I couldn't accept failure. It was very upsetting. I struck out. I was so like, man, what's going on? But you forget, just like this Tory Hunter was from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. There's a Tory Hunter from Compton, California. There's a Tory Hunter in Chicago. There's a Tory Hunter in New York. They all come together. You have to face these guys just like you. And you think you're good where you are until you get to the certain point where all the guys come together and then you're competing against them. They're actually pretty good where they're from. So I had a lot of failures along the way that I did not expect. I thought I was going to come, learn a little bit and destroy, right? Because I was so good at Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So I had to humble myself and also try to make those adjustments and figure out how to make those adjustments. The only way I did that was by talking to veteran guys, guys older than me or wiser than me, not older because some people are not wise even when they're older. I had to go (laughs) and, and learn things from the Kirby Puckets, from the Marty Cordovas, from Ron Coomer and Paul Molitor. I had to learn from those guys and see what they did to make the adjustments and they give me secrets in the game. A guy who's tipping his pitches, he flares his glove for a changeup. And I'm like, oh, I see that. And the guy flares, I know he's throwing a changeup and he can't throw strikes with it. So I take it, we call it spit on it, right? I take the pitch and then he's one ball, two balls, you know, and no strikes. And I put him in a hole where he has to throw a fastball, two balls, no strikes. So he won't go deeper in the count, boom, Homer. And just little secrets like that you get from veterans. You don't get from people your age. So now let's go on to entrepreneurship. You know, I had a lot of coffees, right? For me to get started, I went to coffees with people in New York and Chicago, and all the doors that were open for me while, you know, playing baseball, the game of baseball, it has put me in rooms I shouldn't be in, right? I should not have never been in those rooms, and I was able to get in those rooms, so I took these guys for coffee, and they gave me books to read. They gave me little things to take master classes with. So I had a, my first book was 2004, and then it was called Crushing It, and uh, it was apartment complexes and whatever. And I'm and I'm reading it, and then they gave me another book called Think and Grow Rich. They gave me another book called Richest Man in Babylon, and I started reading these on the plane, you know, flying from L.A. all the way to Boston or L.A. to Tampa back to L.A. So every time they gave me a book, I just read it on the plane and I actually got better. But every time I got a book, I actually read it and then tried to apply it and digest it. But the only way you're going to really get this going is by experience. So I bought my first property in 2004 in South Lake, Texas, West Lake, Texas. And it was a property. I wanted to live there, but I didn't want to live there. My wife wanted to live there. Then she realized she didn't want to live there. So the season, I went to the season, came back in eight months. She said she wants to sell it. So I sold it, but I bought it for just say 400,000. But when I sold it in eight months, it was 1.2 million. Wow. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> right? Is this what they do? Is this the you know land banking that people do? That's what got me into real estate. So I start really, you know, kind of digging a little deeper. And then I say, you know what? I, I want to do my first development. I did my first development six years ago with a guy named Reginald Rimbert in Flower Mound, Texas. And I, I just walked the fields and learned a lot of different things, the topography, the trees I had to pay. I had to go talk to city council members and different things like that. So I just kind of put my sweat equity in. And that was my experience. That was my first property I sold in 2004. And I uh, did my first development in 2013. And so just learning different things, no matter what, you're going to fail, right? And I try to tell people all the time, I want to start my business, this and that. I need to have all these fences and different things like that. Yeah, you need to get your attorneys. You need to get all these different fences that you can put up so you can protect yourself. And good fences make good business partners. So, But you're going to fail and you have to be ready for it. You kind of look at the life of a farmer. A farmer actually plants a seed and that seed actually goes down first into the ground. Michael Todd gave this example. The seed goes down into the ground and it has to dig deeper roots. Nothing comes out first. It always goes down first and it digs deeper roots. And the deeper the roots, the stronger the roots, the actually the more chance that this flower or this fruit, this apple tree or whatever it may be, has a chance to grow. And when it grows, it grows strong because of the roots. And when you dig in the dirt, the dirt that is digging in, Those are the hard times for ourselves. Those are the entrepreneurs that go through the the rough times. Uh, For me, in the Maker's Gym, we had a lot of things taken from us, from a wolf, right? Uh, One of the contractors. And, you know, they actually dug deeper roots for us. We learned a lot of different things before we even opened up Maker's Gym. And once he stole the money from us and we're trying to figure out what to do next and take legal action and different things like that, we actually learned a lot from this deal, So you do have to dig deeper roots for things to kind of flourish. Once you see that thing poke out because of the roots, it actually grows. And then when it grows, the fruit that you have, a tree can't eat its own fruit, right? Tree is for you to pick from. And that's when you start your business. It's not for you. You have to actually serve people and it has to be for other people. And that's what happens. You can't serve right away. It's hard because you're trying to get roots. But once that thing pops up, Then you have fruit that you can give to the people. And I think that's baseball and that's life. And that's entrepreneurship. Is you're gonna fail because before success, you have to have your failures or setbacks.
2: Yeah. So that's very good. So fast forward a little bit and tell us about Makers Gym. Tell us about this spot that you and your brother-in-law have created and what it looks like to invest in place. So you start off in real estate, you get involved in barbecue. And there's something about community coming together. And it kind of feels like it's a culmination as in this Maker's Gym. What is Maker's Gym? And what's that type of community like?
0: Well, Maker's Gym is a creative space. My brother-in-law, Terrence Price, actually worked for Ogilvy in New York. And he was on the the lead on the team for rebranding Wonder Woman and rebranding Doritos and rebranding UPS and so on. And so he he decided, you know what, I want to come to Texas and start my own company. And he told me this six years ago. And it's a creative space. You know, we've seen co-working spaces and different spaces like that, but I've never heard of a creative space. And so when he created this creative space and put it on paper and kind of got some 3D renderings, and it was pretty cool, right? And I looked at it and waited seven days because I always wait seven days when someone's pitching to me because it looks good right then and there. And then I wait seven days. Sometimes it's just, you know, after seven days, it depletes. itself. It really doesn't feel as good, you know? But when I first hear something, it's always good. But if I wait that seven days, it can either deplete or it stays with me. But his idea stayed with me for five years, and I'm like, when are you gonna do it? Let's go do it. And he's like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And then he finally moved to Texas about four years ago. And we got right on it and found some properties. And he was able to open this creative space. And the creative space is basically, you know, all of us are creators, right? I feel like there's poor mentally, physically, financially, there's poor people out there. And poor is the lack of productivity, right? In Hebrew. In Hebrew, also poverty is the lack of creativity. And when you have no creativity, the God is lost inside of you because God is a creator who created us in his image. And image means character. And when we have his image and he's had that character, if he's a creator, then we can create as well. And once you lose your creativity, you also start living in poverty, not just financially. We're talking about mentally, you have a poverty mindset, you have a poverty work ethic, different things like that. So you never want to be in poverty or have a poverty mindset or anything like that because God is lost in you. And so we got the tagline called Made to Create for this creative space. You can do podcasts, you can do music, you can do photography, you can create businesses in there. And so that's what the creative space is all about. That's what the Maker's Gym is all about. And I feel like you know, that community, they're very brilliant. They own their own content. You know, a lot of creatives work behind the scenes and we want them to come out as entrepreneurs and have ownership of their own creativity instead of big corporate 500 companies owning their content. We want them to own their own content. So we, we have all this equipment that people pay for That's very expensive. Now they don't have to pay for it. They just become a member. And when they become a member, they get to utilize all the cameras, the red cameras, the lighting, the microphones, everything. Right. And they just come in bring their bodies and be a member and they can become entrepreneurs right away. And I think that's what that community has been looking for for a long time. And no one really went into that space and delved into the creative community like Terrence has done.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, you know, I know we mentioned before, but uh, you welcomed us in, and uh, we got to, you know, do the entire conference there, and it was all set up, and I mean, it was it was amazing. We've tried to go a lot of different places, and we're like, wow, we look really good we look professional here. Uh, he's really made it easy for us. This is amazing. We hope you were impressed audience. If you weren't, let us know. But uh, Tori, in our time here, I have heard you say a line a couple of times. I want to give you a chance to explain it a little bit because I love it. And, you know, and I think it's something great for entrepreneurs to hear and faith-driven investors too, right? I mean, the same math applies to investing, right? In entrepreneurship, yes. a lot of them aren't going to work. And so I think your wisdom comment really made me think of this where, you know, I think the investors, the ones I've had that sort of impart that wisdom to me is just huge. It's those moments, right? When the older guys came around you and said, hey, you're not screwing it all up. You just need to learn a few things, right? Yeah. So the line I've heard you say before is, you know, there's not winners and losers, there's winners and learners. And mm-hmm. I'd love to just give you a few minutes to go through how you came about that mindset and and what it means to you as an entrepreneur and an investor.
0: Man, just... You know, my baseball career has actually taught me so much. And I think some people that look at athletes and they look at, oh, they just play basketball, football, baseball, or whatever. I actually think there's so many lessons in this thing that it's unbelievable. I I would tell everybody to allow their kids to play the game of baseball, football, basketball, soccer, whatever it may be, because it teaches so many lessons. LaCrosse. 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 Lacrosse.
1: I I knew That's he couldn't what? hold it in. I, I no, knew I, I couldn't hold it, it in. in. I couldn't. I saw, the, I saw the mute baseball. button come off and I knew what was 200 coming. episodes
2: <laughs> in. Everybody knows that I think that lacrosse is the sport, but I need to throw that in there. This is where this yeah, is yeah. where our editor comes in and snips all that out because it's irrelevant, but I just needed it. it was a Tourette's moment. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: He said lacrosse. Hey, lacrosse is a sport, right? And, yes, it uh, is. Golf. Golf is golf the is the not, a sport. not I it well. I hit 100 miles an hour, this ball is not moving, and I hit houses with that ball. <laughs>
2: yeah, I bet you do. So, I it, don't boom, have that problem.
0: <laughs> so, you know, just looking at sports, and you know, a lot of people don't allow their kids to play sports. I think they should, and especially in the early stages, they don't have to make a career out of it. I don't care if you're good or anything like that. I just think the lessons in this thing is so powerful that it teaches your kid to, to make adjustments, to the next kid next to him, you know, this kid might be bigger, stronger, but it actually elevates you and you find things that's inside of you that you never knew you had because someone next to you is actually a little better. It actually takes you to another level and you might end up better than them because you never knew the mind can make you who you need to be. And I think sports would do that to you. I think it teaches life lessons. It teaches how to fail and how to make adjustments. And so I always tell parents allow their kids to play the game of baseball football whatever it may be play a sport so you can learn these different things and man just for me you know i've learned so much from trying things and i feel like if you a learner you're actually trying those things you can't learn something from nothing if you're not walking that path or running that path or you're just looking at the path you really don't know what's beyond that so you have to go try the things that you want and i tell people all the time look one thing is guaranteed, we all going to die, but you want to die empty. You don't want to die with all this stuff inside of you and you rob me and Henry and William, you robbing us from something that we should be picking from your music, your books, your invention, your business or whatever it may be. We should be picking from that, but you're afraid to do it because you're worried about other people and what they're saying. Go do the thing and learn from it. My past, write it in sand so it can be washed away. Your good things, your future, write it in stone so it can be infinite. And I definitely think that uh, we get caught up in a lot of our past issues. It becomes our prison, you know, opposed to our schooling. So that's why I say when I say it's winners and learners, go back to your past and learn from that, opposed to making it your prison. You'd be trapped in the present that messes with your future. So I definitely think that when I say winners and learners, it's all about learning from the life lessons, learning from your parents or the dad that wasn't there or learning from, you know, anything. If you went to jail, if you, whatever it may be, you got a divorce, learn from it, become something and become somebody different. That's why we're human beings because we're supposed to become, we're not human doings. And anything that you do business-wise in your marriage or relationship, friendships, you also have to become something and learn something from it because that's what we're about, just becoming.
2: Tori, William's gonna close this out here in a second the way he always does, which is ask if there's something that you're hearing from God in his word recently. But before we get there, I do wanna touch on one thing because many of our audience will know that we had for a time in COVID about 30 or 40 episodes of Faith Driven Athlete. We of course do Faith Driven Entrepreneur. We're around podcast number 200 and we're 60 or 70 podcast episodes into Faith Driven Investor. And you have the ability to touch on all three of those clearly. Tell us a little bit about how you've sought this on the faith-driven investing side, because I mentioned Marcus Stroud, a young man who you've mentored, who's a really a bright, shining star in the faith-driven investing world, bringing his faith to bear in a winsome way with excellence in the marketplace. Speak a little bit, if you can, please, about how you have sought to steward the capital you've been entrusted with coming out of your baseball career and what you've done in real estate. How do you think about that as a spiritual exercise? It's a layup question, but do you think it matters to God? And just how do you process that?
0: Well, i give you an example of how it matters to God. Because if you look at the master, the master left uh, talents to people, right? He left five talents. And the the one with five talents, as he left, the one with five talents made 10 when he came back. The one with two talents made four. And he said, well done, thou faithful servant, right? You were good with little. I'm going to give you much, much more, Right. And then the one he gave one to, one talent, he buried it, right? And when he said, I know you to be a heart master, so I'm giving you back what you gave me. And he says, he took his and gave it to the one that had five talents that made it 10 and gave it to him and told him to get out and I'm throwing you out to gnashing of teeth, right? And that's an example. And Jesus is trying to tell you, look, no matter what you have, you have to increase, You have to move forward. You have to take the chance. You have to plant the seed. The only way things can grow is only if you plant the seeds. So, And that's what I try to do by being a good steward over how can I make what I have and what God has given me, and how can I grow with it? And how can I catapult people with it? How can I serve people with it? How can I move people beyond what it is? And it's about growth. It ain't necessarily about The money growth, because that's one aspect of it. But there's many aspects of growth and it's mental growth, emotional growth, relational growth, all these different things. And I want people to catapult themselves. And if I can use my resources to do that, to start the business, to grow another company that creates jobs, that they can go home and have food, shelter and clothing. And that's what it's all about. I have a bigger responsibility just playing the game of baseball. And when I was blessed with the finances, that I have actually can make things grow. I can make five talents into 10 talents in time, right? And uh, so if you don't plant the seed, you're not gonna do that. And uh, one way I invest is by getting to know the person, getting to know the business. What does it do to transform people's lives? How did it help people's lives? It's a lot of questions I ask before I invest in any business. And you have to hit those questions with some great answers. And so if it's is it food, shelter, or clothing, I like technology as well. Don't get it twisted, because it's I invested in the app, two apps, one called Oxfit. It's a machine that actually helps assist you in the correct way of working out. So Oxfit is good. And uh, FutureFit is the app that I work out with every morning. So it's helping my temple and it's allowing me to do it virtually. My trainer's in San Francisco and we sit and we talk virtually and we work out. So FutureFit is actually a technology that I invested in because I understand what it does for people, right? And it helps them and make them better, make them healthier, keep them strong, no matter how old you are. So it's about investing in the people, Investing in what it brings to the people in the community. Is it a kingdom system? Is it food, shelter, and clothing? So that's what it's all about. And that's being a faith-driven entrepreneur or a faith-driven investor. And that's me in both aspects of that. If it's an entrepreneur, if it's a small business, it's got to be something in that, that realm in those aspects. If it's investing, it's the same as well. Marcus Stroud is doing that. He understands the concept and he's taking it and put his fin on it. So, and that's something that I I try to do with Marcus Stroud is uh, since he was a kid, he stayed here in my house in my home for a whole year. And all we talked about was business and how business changes people's lives, how you create jobs. And when you create jobs, you have food, shelter, and clothing. And you guys understand that as well.
1: Amen. You might've jumped the gun on my last question, but we're going to, we're going to ask it anyway to see if God's got some more wisdom in you. So what we'd love to ask at the end is, you know, just try to give you a chance to talk about uh, God's word. We believe it's living and always teaching us as you just showed us and just give you a chance, you know, is there, is there something that God has been speaking to you lately? Could be this morning, could be something you've been meditating on this season, could be, you know, uh, your favorite passage, right? But just something in God's word that you would want to share with our audience and how it's impacted uh, you as a person.
0: Man, I, um, you know, the last couple months, I think the word faith has been really working on me, you know, and faith is, you know, we know it's it's out there. We completed that thing that's out there and we have faith that it's, we can get it done, that God can get it done for us and help us move towards it. You don't see it, but you see it, you know, and you believe in it. So the word faith for me is like, you know, I look at, I think it was Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill was saying that um, this this country was going into another country. They had 10,000 men. They only had 500 men and they was on the ship and they get to the island. And when they got to the island, the captain turned around and burned the ships, right? And he burned the ships and he said, either we die trying or we win, right? And so if you don't have anything behind you, you burn your backup plans, you do all those plan B's and you get rid of those things, whatever God has for you, those plan A's will actually work. But if you got a plan B and God has you in plan A, that means you're not really all in and have faith towards it. So that's something that's been working in me that I, I want God's plan to be plan A. And if I can make his plan a plan A and not have a backup plan and have ships behind me that where I have to retreat if I feel like I'm getting defeated. Right. It's about burning the ships, burn your backup plan, focus on the plan A or whatever it may be. If it's the business you want to open, if it's a book you want to read, burn your ships and go towards it. It's going to be hard. It's never going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but burn your ships. You fight to the end. We're going to die anyway, so you might as well try it anyway.
1: Amen. Amen. I'm ready to go find some matches and get burning. (laughs) Uh, gosh, I got, I got some things to get rid of over here. But, you have to. But in all seriousness, that's a good word. That's a good word. Thank you for sharing yep. that. It, thank uh, you, Tori. It, it hits my soul. Hey, um, thank, thank you very sharing, much. Sharing your time with us, your generosity over many different instances. Just uh, extremely grateful for you. Indeed. Hey, Indeed. thank you
0: guys for having me, man. I, and I love what you guys are doing, man. I think it's the most powerful thing on the face of the planet, man, what you guys are doing. You're catapulting people and you tell them to go out there and do the thing that you're afraid of.
2: We are grateful for the opportunity to serve the community and see listeners come in from more than 100 countries. Entrepreneurship is often a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. The best way to stay connected is to join a group study with other faith-driven entrepreneurs like yourself. There's no cost, no catch. In person or online, you can meet for an hour a week with your peers from your backyard or the other side of the world. You can also stay connected by signing up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman, intro mixed and arranged by Summer Dregs, audio and editing by Richard Barley. Our theme song is In the House by David Crowder.